through God. But that word Father, it can sometimes be a bit misguiding. But I don't want to shy away from using the word Father. And I don't want to shy away from celebrating men this morning. There is lots of good men in this world who may not be physical fathers, but still father. Because they carry authority. They carry strength. They carry correction. They carry craziness. And I'm not saying women avoid of these, them, these things. But I don't want to shy away from the word Father. So this morning, we are starting a new season of looking at values. What do we value? What does the Bible point towards as values? The reason why I want to look at values is because we're moving from a different model of being members of a church to becoming partners But I also realize that changing something as significant as what we're trying to do as a church, and not just ask people to sign up and become a member like you're part of a gym, but actually partner with us. If people want to partner with us, I think it's important that we understand what our values are. Because the values of who we are is part of our corporate character. The things that we are going after will be shaped by what we value. If we value money, we'll get money. I don't believe that's one of our values, but I just want to give that as a practical example. And there may be many values that we can talk about over the next six to twelve weeks but i thought today would be a good place to start about looking at valuing time with the father what does it mean to be a christian to be a follower of christ does anyone have any questions i have lots you have questions, that's good. And questions are good. But frequently asked questions might sound like this. How can I follow and obey God's will and live a godly life? Yeah? How can I be faithful to God in my everyday life? What does it mean to do good works? What does it mean? What are Christian and moral and ethical values? What does God require of us? What does God require of me? How can I obey the Word of God? How can I live my life in Christ? Why should I do... Why? Why? What should I do to avoid something? Or sinning? How can I be a child of God? How can I show my love for God? What values are taught in the Bible? 
What are Christian virtues? And there's just a few that I've listed. There's a lot of lot of questions, isn't there? Many people, I believe, sincerely want to live godly lives because godly lives hold godly values. Even those that don't read the Bible or believe in God will recognize the morality of God's Word. Particularly what Jesus said about being kind, being generous, loving your neighbor. These are all common grounds, aren't they? But we often hear conflicting ideas of what that actually means. I get it from my neighbors. As they're all out there breaking up the stolen cars, smoking the weed, effing and jeffing, they feel they have the right to tell me, well, you're a Christian, so you should. You believe in God, so you should be generous. Or if I ask you to do something, you should have this impulsion just to do it. These are words that come from people who are of the estate, who are non-believers, who don't read the Bible, but still... They have a sense of morality of what the Bible means. But their interpretation of that is wrong. Worldly values include wealth, power, pleasure, revenge, <laughs> fame. I want to live forever. I'll stop. Vanity and status. These are the most important things to people who perceive no power or purpose beyond themselves. It's all about them, in other words. I want. I deserve. I want more money. You don't matter to me. What matters to me is me. And I'll just use you as a stepping stone. Has anyone come across people like that? Unfortunately, yes. Worldly values promote jealousy, resentment, and conflicts among people according to the purposes of who? Satan. The devil. He wants to set God's creation against itself. He wants to set Helen and me against each other. Sometimes we just need to recognize that. That for me being a Christian, some of the biggest hurts and pains I have received in my life hasn't come from people outside of this family. It's come from within. Does anyone recognize that? Has anyone been hurt by a brother or a sister in Christ? Or a leader? I think we've all experienced that. We need to sometimes just call that out. And I want to call that out this morning. That's, that's the plan of the kingdom of darkness. He wants to set us against each other, but ultimately against our Father. 
The values that are taught in the Bible are often opposed to worldly values. Kindness and respect for all people instead of power. Humility instead of status. Honesty and generosity instead of wealth. Self-control instead of self-indulgence. Forgiveness instead of revenge. Christian values promote peace and goodwill among people in accordance to the purposes of God. We will never achieve perfection in this life. But those people who strive to obey God often find a sense of joy and peace that no worldly rewards can even come close to. Can I just take you back to when you first met God? When you first felt the presence of God? It might have been a gradual process. It might have not all come at once. But you would have experienced something. Something would have shifted in you. It might have been a feeling of a physical weight being lifted off you. Or just a sense of peace and calmness. A sense of, (sighs) wow. Just like that gentleman was talking about in the video, that our experiences shape what we think of people, and particularly God. Let's not forget that moment when we came and confessed to God that we are sinners. That we allowed him into our heart and something happened. He went up a mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Matthew chapter 14 Verse 23. He went, Jesus went up the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone. Jesus did this a lot. He sought out time with his Father. That took him often to a mountainside. He did it so much that Matthew dedicated this verse to Jesus doing just that. I'll read it again. He went up the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Or maybe not alone. He was there with his father. But why did Jesus choose a mountain? Why did he do it every day? Is the things that we can learn and maybe set as our values. I believe there is. If you 
uh, I do want to draw your attention to this. There are dotted around. This is a, the seven sacred spaces. And I'm going to keep on referring to this because our values should help help us guide us through this little graph. But I think I've said this before, but I uh, want to make this point again. This graph is actually incorrect because at the centre of this graph should be cell, personal and spiritual life. As Christians, this is our centre point. And everything else should flow out of us spending time with our Heavenly Father. Would everyone agree to that remark I've just made? Good. Because I know I'm right. And I'm willing to have a fight about that, but I know I'm going to win. So, there we are. <laughs> So when Jesus went up the mountainside, he did it to be intentional. When Jesus was on earth, he was intentional about spending time with his Father. I'm not really sure necessarily why Jesus chose the mountainside. Did the majestic view and landscape of the creation of from his Father, remind him of their time together. I love climbing up a mountain or even a hill and just getting to survey the land. There's something that grabs your soul about it. Even if you hate nature, I'm sure if someone would uh, carry you up to a mountainside and plonk you on a nice comfy chair and said, there you go, you go, Lovely. Carry me back down. <laughs> In his very human flesh, did he just feel Jesus, that is, a bit closer to God up, up on a mountainside? Was the remote location simply the only place he could be alone? It's kind of interesting to speculate on his choice. But the most important detail is that he made that choice. I have a question. When was the last time you climbed the mountain to spend time with God? We need to be intentional about spending time with him. The next point, be alone. Yes. It's a funny thing, loneliness, isn't it? Because when you can't get it, you want it. And when you have it, you, yeah, exactly. It's an oxymoron, as they say. But being alone. And it, even if you are alone, you're not, because you've got Facebook and TV and loads of other distractions, food, your neighbours shouting and trying to hit some other guy with a shovel, which happened to us this week. Yes. 
if anyone wants to move to my house for a week, then, yeah, uh, it's, you will want to be alone, put it that way. <laughs> but some of you may relate to what I'm talking about. So being alone. Jesus sought solitude to be alone with his Father. When I physically remove myself from other tasks or relationships for a while, taking time alone to be with the creator of the universe and the lover of my soul, it pours living water into my parched heart. Water which bubbles up until it overflows onto everything and every other person that I meet. When I spend time with God, you benefit. When I don't spend time with God, you suffer. But that's the same with you and me. It's not just me to you. If Luke doesn't spend time with God, when I meet with Luke, I just get Luke. Which is a wonderful gift, but I know Luke on his own will probably be like... <laughs> but when I get Luke and God, because he spent time with his father, I might still get a bit of... But I get something more. Something that he's carrying. Kind of rubs off on you. Sometimes it's not always words. Sometimes it's a smile. That people who carry God just carry the smile of God. And they have the ability to sm look someone in the eyes. And it kind of just warms up other people's soul. That doesn't come from them. That comes from being alone with the Father. I have another question. When was the last time you climbed the mountain to be alone with Father God? Just alone. No words, no agenda. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to breathe you in, God. I'm not going to try and fill this time with my agenda. I'm just going to breathe you in. Luke, sorry <laughs> for picking on you. Why did Jesus climb the mountain? To be consumed. Humanly speaking, when evening comes, I'm ready for my tea. I think I'm ready for my tea when morning comes sometimes, but there we are. I'm also preparing for bed. I'm taking care of my bodily needs. But when Jesus went up the mountain to pray, the wording of the verse almost seems or suggests or indicates that he just locked got lost in time. That time just ebbed away. Let me read the verse. He went up the mountainside 
by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone. He didn't say when he went up the mountainside. He could have gone up at six o'clock in the morning. But the way it's written is, he went up the mountainside by himself. When evening came, so it's like he went up at some point and then it was evening. He got so wrapped up with communing with his father, communing, communing, being with his father. I'm put my teeth in. It's almost like time just stopped. The needs of every human body, which Jesus certainly experienced hunger, fatigue, pain, thirst. But when you're consumed in the presence of God, all them things just ebb away. It's like, if I start a job, like I'm building something or fixing something, food doesn't come into my mind. I can just plug on and on and on and on. And it's not until I've done it or Maz shouts at me, stop doing that. Then all of a sudden, I'm taken, it's like I'm being sucked out of this consuming circumstance. And then it's like, oh, I feel hungry. And when I stop, I start to feel tired and it's like, oh, my back. But when I'm in it, none of them things seem to really take precedence because I'm getting lost. I'm being consumed by what I'm doing. You can find that with TV, can't you? Just one more episode. Go on. You know, it's 11 o'clock. I've got to be up at 5 o'clock. Ding! You can lose track of time because you're consumed by something. I have a question. When was the last time you climbed the mountain and got lost in God's presence? I wanted to spend a minute talking about the will of God. The understanding of the Bible is impossible without an understanding of the two covenants. I mean, after all, the Bible is split into two sections, isn't it? You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament talks about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Testament talks about the new covenant. A covenant, in case you were wondering, is an agreement, yes. Brilliant. A covenant is a solemn agreement between God and men and women by which he makes them to his people a promise to be their God. God has established the Old Testament through Moses and the New Testament through Jesus. The Old Testament was based on the law and the New Covenant is based on sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. The Son of God who came into the world 
so that you and me can become sons and daughters of the Father in heaven. These are fundamental. This is the foundation stone of our faith. The old covenant, covenant puts the responsibility on us. You shall not. It's on you. That's the law. You shall not. You shall not. Kill. What was that? Lie. You shall not. It's all about you. The emphasis is on what you shall not. That's the law. You shall not. But Jesus, ah, he came and put the promises of God in the new covenant. The promises that we can find from Genesis all the way up to Jeremiah. Where God says, it's not about you shall not, it's about I will. I will. The will of God is that all people should come to know him as their father. And this is why I wanted to make this point today. That the will of God today is for you to be his sons and daughters. That you are not condemned. That you are not alone. That your life does not have lack of meaning or purpose. You were made intentionally to be his sons and daughters so that you can be consumed by his love for you. The will of God. Jesus lived a life in accordance with the will of God. I only do and say what I see my Father doing and saying. I live in the will of God. If, you were going to, if I was going to sum up who Jesus was to anyone, that's what I would say. Because it's so fundamental. That's what set Jesus apart from everything and everyone else. He knew his father. He knew he was his son. And he knew the will of God. And he lived by the will of God. Final question. When was the last time you climbed the mountain to discover the will of God your Father, for your life? Have you lost track? What am I doing? 
What's it all about? Am I really saved? Does it make a difference? I pray and nothing seems to happen. I try this, but I don't seem to get anywhere. I'm tired of other people seem to be more godly than me. Let's be honest. I can get on YouTube and see easy 101 different preachers and leaders that I can look upon and think, why can't I do that? But I'm missing the point. I'm missing the will of God. I'm missing the point that I am his son. And shouldn't that be enough? To be called a son of the king and creator of the universe? Isn't that enough? Sometimes I need to be intentional. Sometimes I need to be alone. Sometimes I need to be consumed to understand the will of the Father, to accept his will and love for me, that all he wants from me ultimately is to be his son, for you to be his daughter. For us as a church, I believe this is the cornerstone of our values. Knowing that we are sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. He is for us. His will for us is <laughs> unexplainable. And I've tried to touch on it in a few words. But if we don't see ourselves as sons and daughters, as God as our Father, if we're not being intentional in seeking Him out and being alone with Him and being consumed, then we're never really going to grasp that will, that heart of love. We can forget more than we remember about the cross. It can become a statement rather than a living thing. I'm not going to apologize for putting my finger in this and squirming it around. But I'm not putting myself before you and say, you need to be more like me. I think we all need to be better together. I need to be more intentional. I need to spend more time with my God. God, do I want to be consumed by his power? And do I want to know his will for me and for you? Oh, it eats away at me sometimes. Do I want people out there to experience these things? Oh, that's why we're here, isn't it? Together. If not, I can be a son at home with my slippers on, watching Formula One qualifying which I never get to watch. But I'd rather be here with my brothers and sisters. I'll read out those four statements again. Be intentional. Be consumed. Be alone. 
with God and know his will. Let us pray. Father God, the center and creator of all things, help us find strength in our legs to climb the mountain wherever that will be whether it be a quiet place in our homes the field that we overlook our house overlooks that place off the grid the store cupboard at work wherever it is Lead us to it. Remind us through the prompting of the Holy Spirit to spend time with you, to be consumed by you. And most important, Father God, help us to accept that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And help us not just to know the will of God, but also share the will of God through a life that follows you, follows your plan and not our own. For your glory we pray. Amen. I think the children are going to be released back into us. No? They're coming. <laughs> Let's just take this out. I'm not going to play any more worship music. I don't think uh, there's a need for that. I think maybe let's just spend, if we can have some background music on maybe, just before the kids come in, let's spend a bit of time alone with our God. <laughs> 